0: When we were born into this world, we were born into a single life, but not a singular existence. We humans were born for connection. We were born for community. You are needed out there. Your experiences, your opinions, your love, and your attention. We need you. The billions of timelines weaving their way from beginning to end all intertwine along the way. Hello and welcome to Yelling at Birds. Matt here. Thank you very much for being here with me today. It is the weekend. Uh, We've all made it through and I'm proud of you all. Uh, One thing, um, well, later this episode I have my interview with Gene Francis. I was very, very excited to interview him. Um, I've known him for a little while and he was representing a, a group called Tactical Recovery Group. Uh, which is a recovery group for people who have served um, just to give them a space to um, go through recovery and talk to people who have been through similar circumstances. So they, you know, part of a community that they feel more a part of, which was great. Uh, One thing I was thinking over this last um, week of, you know, people are starting, everything's shutting down. People are asked to stay home, all of that. Of course, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of stress. And one thing I was thinking about that, and obviously, you know, we're asked to stay home. And there are people who have been in worse situations. And, you know, then the the Facebook posts and everything uh, pop up about, you know, I was in X situation and that was, that was three months. Or think about people in prison, um, which they're all valid. They're all valid experiences. But for some people who... Um, maybe are more, more social, you know, this is, this is very strange. It's a different time. And it is very, especially with people with, with children or with, um, with, with jobs that have to shut down during this, there's a lot of, a lot of fear, you know, of what's going to happen. And hopefully, um, you know, the government and everyone comes through and, and helps out those individuals most in need. Um, but another thing that that brings up, you know, on a positive spin – of course, we don't want to be in situations like this, but what it does, I mean, this is growth. You know, when you're in moments of stress, in moments of fear, and you continue, um, we're continuing through it and we're learning through it. It does something to you. It adds to the, the capacity that you have to deal with uncertainty and fear. And I think that's a positive. That's, you know, one of the few positives you can take out of this. And um, a lot of artists, yoga teachers... Uh, musicians um, speakers people using this time to uh, entertainers you know people using this time to uh, stream free concerts free lessons free um, everything just to kind of continue that connection with everybody that's another beautiful thing that's happening currently so all of you you know i wish you the best please stay safe Um, coming up next is my interview with gene francis so thank you very much for being here and enjoy Good. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a little
1: while. It's yeah, it has. It has. So,
0: uh, what prompted, uh, prompted the podcast? Um. Well, basically, I was, um, kind of. It's something I'd wanted. I've wanted to do for a while. Just more. Uh, at the beginning, it was more of a just kind of like a a journal. Um. I kind of yep. I do that. I have. Um, I have a journal that lives on on the cloud or Google drive where I'll just kind of put thoughts out and I've had a blog before. So, um, it just kind of started like that. And then after a while, you know, I obviously, um, had this last DOI and I put myself in a position to where, um, I kind of had to make some changes and it was since I had started this, it was just kind of a place for me to kind of, express what I was going through, um, as I was going through recovery, things I've learned and then reach out to, uh, and it, I didn't necessarily plan on it being straight up just about recovery, uh, more, you know, mental health and and just things that everybody deals with. Um, and that's just kind of where it's gone. So cool. Yeah. Cool. Just kind of communicating my, uh, experience through, uh, experience as I go along here. Yeah. 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 No. Um so you know pretty much uh I like to, I like doing these inter- interviews now because the I only have one experience so it's nice to hear um from other people's life life experiences because the more I mean I, the more people I have on here the more um people hear I guess something that that resonates with them that might may not have it was just me talking about stuff. Right. So Um I appreciate you being here yeah uh, and be able to kind of talk about yourself a little bit and I know that um so I know I've seen you share some uh, tactical recovery group posts so mm-hmm. and I think that that's a good resource because I haven't really um talked about that at all or gotten that that perspective um when it comes to that you know I've, I've mainly been focused on um, like smart recovery, people that have gone through AA, things like that. And I know that there's mm-hmm. tie-ins to each group, but there's a reason that each group exists. Right. So, right. yeah. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, um, and pretty much it's just really no time frame on this. You know, usually about a half an hour, you know, half an hour to an hour. Um, I, I need to try to keep it to about a half an hour to 45 minutes. Otherwise, it's, <laughs> right. it's, tough, it's <laughs> tough to upload. It's tough to... Uh, people but i appreciate you being here um so uh if you're ready we can kind of just get right into it yeah let's do it sounds perfect all right well jean francis welcome to yelling at birds i appreciate you being on here with me um how is how's everybody in your household holding up over these last couple of weeks
1: well it's been a little bit crazy we just got back from florida on a on a week long vacation and uh, since we returned, uh, I would say that uh, things are a little bit different here than they are down there. Um, sure. A bit of, bit of a bubble down there, um, beach and sun. And then we got up here and it was kind of uh, doom and gloom, you could say. I mean, the shelves are, uh, are, are bare and,
0: and people are kind of nervous about what's going on and a little bit of the unknown. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I know, and I saw that people were still kind of going to spring break and enjoying themselves a little bit down in Florida and down in the typical spring break spots. Um, but yeah, now it's back to reality. Yep. <laughs> Up here. That I'm it is. That it is. So do um, you, um, you have children that you that you have home now? Yep,
1: I do. I've got a 16 and a 13-year-old, and my wife's home as well from work. So it's the four of us and the dog who are somewhat quarantined here in the house.
0: Okay. And are you kind of resuming your teaching teaching days? a little bit
1: nope <clears throat> nope the teaching days are over okay so
0: um and uh, they ended
1: uh, back in 2016 so i'm uh, now in the realm of <clears throat> marketing and advertising with a uh, a local group here at, in lacrosse um bedwest family actually it's a, a group of radio stations but we're also uh, digital marketers and uh, and we get involved in in public relations and, and that kind of thing um so that's what two and a half years now. Okay how's that transition been for you? Uh, it's been interesting um, you know 20 uh, some years in teaching and coaching and, and to make that change was uh, it was somewhat of a leap of faith um, you know it was uh, <laughs> um, I, I guess you could say that the, the, the days are a little bit different working with uh, adults and professionals in the business realm than uh, you know, a group of, of students in the it hasn't been too bad, to be quite honest, with you, Matt. It's um, it, it's amazing how one particular profession and you know the education and experience that you gather there, um, how it translates to other professions, pretty darn well. Sure. Uh, you know, it's all about people working with people. So, you know that that uh, that part of it's been uh, that part of it's been pretty easy. The business side and the challenges that come along with it uh, from a small business. Uh, owner aspect with regards to working with them—that's challenging. You know, um, budgets oftentimes are, uh, you know, an issue with a small business, and, and trying to find the right messages to do the right thing, marketing so that they're uh, they're successful, and, and finding those solutions uh,
0: definitely is a challenge. Sure. Yeah, I can definitely see how how teaching would be an asset. Uh, that experience would be an asset. A lot. I mean. A lot of, I, I haven't done it, you know, but a lot of patience, I'm sure that comes along with it. A lot yeah. of being able to deal with a lot of different personalities, um, some immature personalities, I'm sure. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, you weren't one of those, so you were very mature. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> perfect, thank you. Um, so what what prompted that change? Well, the
1: what prompted the change was um, I went through uh, period of, of some pretty dark days, um, with regards to, um, alcohol and then also, um, painkilling, uh, medication actually, um, that I had received through uh, various injuries, um, that I had had over time and it built up, um, uh, to a point where, you know, basically I could, uh, no longer function my, set, you know, basically the way that uh, I had functioned in the past. I was not myself. So sure. um, between alcoholism and that the abuse of pain killers that put me into a really dark state and resulted in um, some reckless decisions, poor decisions on my part, um, uh, resulting in a major, major life change that led me to uh, recovery and led me into uh, a whole change of lifestyle, a whole change of attitude, um, an approach to life and, um, in the oddest of ways, it
0: may have been one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. Right. I think that's a, when you get on a long enough timeline, I think that you, a lot of people that go through certain decisions that they made and, and, you know, go through dark days and find the need to recover, to find recovery in it. Um, I think a lot of people see that as look, you can look back on it and see that, that was a good thing yeah um do you think do you think that um some of those choices you made um i know that in some of the meetings that we talk about um one very important aspect like sobriety is obviously you need sobriety to um get recovery but that's only like that's a small part of it because Mm -hmm. just ceasing those activities is one thing but then it's correcting those thought processes and finding the why you were making those choices is like the big part and you don't really get recovery unless you can kind of find that out. Um, right. is there, um, anything, anything that you've learned kind of throughout throughout this process of, you know, what led you to make some of the choices that you made? Yeah.
1: Well, I think that there's a couple things that, that ultimately led me to, um, making the choices. One was just the the, the fact that, um, You know, the things have become so extreme and so, so bad that the effect that it had not only on family, um, but on my professional, um, you know, my, my work um, as a coach, as a teacher and a friend and those kinds of things got so bad to the point that, you know, I began to isolate and through that isolation that I. I basically blocked off everything in the world. It was all about me, booze, and and drugs. And when that happened, um, luckily I had such awesome friends and family who were able to intervene and to help to steer me um, in a direction that, that began the recovery. And once I became sober and I started to realize some of the things that may have caused me to get into that state, I really began to work on it so it kind of gets some of that smart recovery that you made reference to before um, and one of the things that I began to recognize was that there's a certain part of me that um, that, that I was able to identify with the assistance of others but being a perfectionist um, and being invincible you know I think those are two things that that really um, were things that were probably not in my favor when I was going through some of those, you know, through those times. And I had to begin to recognize that, you know, we talk about delegating, you know, we talk about hmm. opening up to opportunities for others to become a part of your life and help you to make decisions and, and things like that. And I used to block all that off. It was, it was more like, you know, I'm the strong guy, I'm the tough guy, I'm invincible, um, you know, I'm, I'm perfect in a lot of ways. And I, I learned that's not true at all. And there's um, there's no way to live your life that way, you know, with those thought processes, because as soon as something goes um, wrong or ends up going um, maybe sideways, you could say, um, and it continues to go sideways and then you can't deal with it yourself, it's very difficult then to reach out to others to help you with that. Um, right. And so I, I've learned now that more than ever, how important it is to include, um, a number of people, um, and, uh, you know, people such as family, uh, friends, and even, you know, new acquaintances as you start to build relationships with them that, you know, to, to always know that they're there for a variety of reasons. They're there to, uh, be a friend, to be a family member. And you don't have to make all big decisions on your own and to, you know, and to do things, um, that bring added pressure, you know, per se, uh, on me. So that's been a huge part of, um, you know, ultimately some of the changes that, that I've made. Um, and they've been fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Do you, um, do you feel so that I think that takes a, a certain level of obviously self honesty, um, mm-hmm. but also vulnerability and, that's got to be tough for, um, cause I was kind of the same way too, like hard nose, um, willing to help other people for sure, but you put a lot on your shoulders. Um, yep. how do you, do you find that, do you feel like you're allowing yourself to be more vul- vulnerable as you're going through mm-hmm. this process? Yep. Very much so. Um, matter of fact, I, I probably open up and,
1: and talk more about, um, you know, Really open to a lot of things, a lot of conversations, that I probably wouldn't have been before. Um, I probably would have shied away from um, a lot of things due to the fact that you know maybe there's a stigma that comes along with it, or you know there's something that may be fairly stereotypical. Um, where now it's kind of like you know my my whole mantra is impossible is nothing, so. Um, with that being said, it, 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 seems that, you know, anything that becomes, that's uncovered, you know, any rock that's turned, I'm, I'm totally open to Or before I've been like, no, you know, that, that, forget it. That's not something that, you know, I ultimately even want to be uh, a part of. And now my attitude is totally different towards that. And, and not just in, you know, when recovery, per se, the steps or processes in recovery, but damn near anything, you know? Sure. Um. And it just has opened up my mind, um, you know, and it helps to have a clear mind, you know, where it's not distorted by chemicals and things like that, or, right. or, or ultimately things that uh, cause anxiety and, and may lead, uh, you know, down that road of depression and isolation. But now I'm I'm just really open to a lot of things. It's open doors that maybe I haven't recognized for, for some time.
0: That's awesome. And it opens... Um... So uh, it opens things like being a part of tactical recovery. Yeah. So yeah. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit, what, what's the, what is the need that that, that uh, group is filling for some people? What's it uh, what's mm-hmm. all about?
1: Yeah, so tactical recovery, I, I actually discovered through, um, through uh, a group, um, it's uh, the lacrosse Area Veterans Mentor Program um, here in town. Um, and it works directly with the La Crosse Area Veterans um, Affairs. And basically what the group does um, is looks for veterans that um, either have issues um, with substance abuse um, or suffer from depression, um, things related to active duty, such as PTSD, um, that kind of thing. Um, those vets that are currently isolating themselves and may be um, too stubborn in their training and their preparation to be in the military sure. to actually reach out for assistance. So what I did was uh, JT Saber is the one who um, I'm working with um, in the tax recovery group. And our goal is to try to reach as many of those folks that are isolated, not them directly, but folks that might know them sure. and might reach out to them and share with them that this group is available so that they can, um, you know, get onto that road towards recovery. Um, so my role in it has been to market, to to get it out. Um, a lot of outreach uh, opportunities. Um, we've been advertising on social media and utilizing uh, the radio for some, some mass media uh, presence. Um, and I've also tied in some local businesses. Kruppap uh, State Farm in Alaska right now is, um, a partner with the Tactical Recovery Group, and they are donating dollars through a process called uh, Quotes for Goods. So for every insurance quote they give, then they, they donate $10 to the group. And that relationship has been absolutely fantastic, not just from the monetary side, but more importantly about the awareness side. Um, there's been uh, growing awareness um, about what the Tactical Recovery Group does.
0: Awesome. And how, how is the, are you, are you seeing good numbers and good, um, good interaction?
1: Slowly but surely.
0: Um, okay. Yeah, and I, I
1: think that um, part, of the, part of the problem is, is it's, a, it's kind of a door-to-door thing. You almost have to be able to open the door um, to that individual's life. And then even still, when you open the door, they still are are, you know, full headed and strong and right. and it's very difficult to get them um, you know, to to not just buy in, but just to give it to the fact that, you know, this is available and, and they should utilize it. So yeah, I would say it's not like, um like, uh, funding is always an issue. Um, you know, the, the funding process of it is, you know, it's a grant, it's running off a grant from the La Cross Area Veterans Mentor Program and uh-huh. It's basically going to be good for about a year, um, so it's about six months in, um, and I, I believe JT would be the first to say that it's not quite as uh, far along as maybe what he was hoping for. But it's you know it's saving one, or by the way, maybe not saving, but you know getting one person, to, you know, and starting at the at the you know the smallest
0: amount possible, getting that one person to
1: um, to commit to it, and then hopefully from there it'll snowball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like any getting to one person is if, if, if all you do is get to one more person, then you would then you would not have without doing it. I think it's valuable.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. So what is the can you tell me about the importance of having veterans having a specific group dedicated to them um, in recovery? Yeah,
1: I think that uh, I, I think the importance of it is, is that civilian society and um, the you know the the veteran um, society are, are really two. They're the same anytime that it involves any form of recovery or assistance, whether they're you know suffering from mental health issues or substance abuse or a combination of the two or something caused by active duty or just by being a part of the military. But I think that the the the, the biggest thing is. Um, is just you know ultimately the ability for for it to be recognized um you know i if there's a lot of talk about it there's a lot of discussion in, in many different realms um, many different groups etc but i think when you look at the overall civilian society's recognition it's automatically just kind of seen as well that's just being part of the military you know that just kind of comes in and and what I've seen as a civilian who has been invited into um, this particular um, fraternity of, of men and women is that what I see is that they're they're asking people to recognize it a little bit differently. You know, they're asking that you know that, that this is a this is a problem. It is an issue, and it lies right in your community. And there are ways that you can get involved and, and to help, um, regardless if you are a member of the you know, of the veteran, um, you know, uh, community or not. Um, so that's been interesting um, to, to see that side. As a matter of fact, I was a little skeptical when they invited me in because I, I don't have any military background at all, you know, um, but they knew that um, I had a desire to to assist from the substance side, you know, and I shared that with the group. And, and I said, I know what I went through and I can imagine what, somebody that would be, you know, who is serving our country and doing the things that they've done, you know, um, the impact <laughs> that that we can have, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I got that. So in my mind, if my gosh, if I could help one veteran, really, it's any one person, but in this particular case, a veteran,
0: um, it's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is like for, for a civilian, um, what is, I guess, What is their preferred way to be recognized from from what you've seen? Yeah, Um, there isn't one. (laughs) Okay, that
1: is probably the that is the that that is by far the largest challenge that the group faces, and that is because every case you know on a case by case um, basis, every case is different. Yeah, Um, you know some are very receptive um, from what JT has shared with me and what I've seen. Um, Others are more receptive to hearing from a, uh, from a veteran who may or may not suffer from some of the same kinds of things. Okay. Um, they're much more apt to listen to and engage with someone who is or has been <clears throat> a member of the military. Um, so from that side of things, you, know, you might have somebody that's not a vet that would recommend or refer somebody, but then you've got to infiltrate. You've got to get through that you know that that huge thick wall that lies between them and uh you know really what the tech government does
0: sure um, what are some uh what are some activities that um are, i guess what is the group comprised of uh, like what are some of the things they do uh, are there meetings are there activities so they they utilize um, for all the smart
1: recovery services. They um, utilize the uh, Cooley Council um, on okay. Addictions, um, so Cooler Recovery Center. Um, I believe it's it's uh, what I can't remember what road it's on, but it's it's right over by the turtle. Sure. Um, they they utilize that um, activities. They they utilize the UWL campus. They do things um, um, like the uh, the uh, rock wall. Um, they do rock ball climbs, they do nice. um, simple small group activities where, you know, they have conversations and they invite a number of people to uh, partake in that. Um, they go on just small trips to certain places uh, within the community. Um, they do some, um, they do some um, community involvement with regards to, you know, just, uh, for example, picking up litter and things like that. You know, I mean, just small, but yet you know, significant things where they, they can recognize, where they can talk about the work that they're doing to help
0: the community that they live in, um, which obviously helps them to uh, feel part of something. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, so in, in smart recovery meetings, they say the uh, opposite of addiction is connection. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's, I think that's, and I think that's something we're seeing now um, with what's mm-hmm. going on with everything, how important connection is. And yep. even though, you know, a lot of people are isolation is so dangerous for people in recovery, and, and now we're kind of forced to self isolate. Um, yep. It's nice to have still have um, ways to connect with, with other people, be part of a community. Yep. Um, yep. Are there any, do they offer any online meetings yet?
1: You know, I that's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm sure that GT okay. probably has, um, has <clears throat> some ideas to make that happen. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not the individuals that he attempts to connect with online have the capabilities of doing so. And if they do, if they're knowledgeable about the fact that they're there, Um, that, that's been the real, I, that's been probably the most burdensome thing right now is just getting that, just knowing that these resources are available in right. a multitude of ways um, to people. So, you know, you asked before about numbers. I think the last time I saw um as far as number of participants i think i saw the highest number was 12 um okay. but they're not getting those consistent numbers right now um there are times where it might be 4 or 5 or 6 you know that that are in attendance
0: okay i think um after this video i think i'm going to look so there is smartrecovery.org has meetings on mm-hmm. you know has meetings online and they might have mm-hmm. i'll double check and if if uh if I find it, I'll just throw, probably throw a link on this video. Um, Cause I believe they might have uh, meetings that are geared towards veterans. Um, and awesome. that, that would be something that would be nice to know.
1: Um,
0: mm-hmm. How, how can, um, what are some things that the, that the rest of us can do to help a group like this along?
1: Um, <clears throat> I think uh, the, the biggest thing is, is spread the word. Um, okay. You know, get onto social media. Um, Active Recovery Group does have, um, a Facebook page, um, which, uh, you know, through their post management, there's a lot of communication that goes on there. Um, you can reach out to the Kula Council Addictions, um, as they will have information and pamphlets um, um, that people can can get and disseminate to folks. Um, you know, all the ROTC programs and things like that, um, for example, in UWL campus have been, very, very open to opportunities to have booths or, you know, to have opportunities to reach out. Of course, Veterans Bonanza has been canceled, but that was supposed to be this week, and that was going to be a, um, a large um, opportunity for um, the Tactical Recovery Group to be visible um, for for vets as they come for uh, multiple services from financial um, all the way down, um, you know, into some of the basics. Of, 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 you know, living as a vet in the cross county and surrounding counties. Um, so hopefully the Veterans Bonanza and things like that, um, after the, the virus uh, stuff subsides, that uh, we'll hopefully be able to have that uh, um, in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been unfortunate that you know a lot of the people that rely on meetings have to now not not go. Yeah, um, totally.
1: I'm isolated for 14 days after returning. And,
0: my, uh,
1: my not having contact with people is starting to drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's just like, I, you know, and you probably remember I'm somewhat of a people person and I sure. like to talk. So it's like, I'm sitting there talking like we are right now. I mean, I've had seven meetings a day with clients. and I'm like, oh, man, this is, I don't know how much longer I can do this. It's only
0: on day two. <laughs> right. Right. Without with actually being physically there talking something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's different. Yeah, it is totally different. So, um, I guess I was, I was curious just for myself because, you know, uh, obviously I went to LaCrescent High School and, um, coaching, coaching and teaching, uh, you had that experience there. Um, I guess, what are some things that you, uh, not, maybe not fond memories, but like, what are some things that you take away from that experience of this, this experience of being an educator and a coach? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, the experiences they're you know, they're they're um there's too many to <laughs> to really to, to you know to, to pinpoint. Um you know it's it's funny you ask that question because as you reflect back on I, I taught for about twenty-one years and coached for about twenty-five. And when I think back on that, you know, it's it was always the kids. Um, you know, it it never was for me it was necessarily about, um, how do you want to say it, um, you know, status or, or any of that kind of thing. Um, it was all about reaching kids, you know, and how you could reach kids um, or when they uh, were, were to graduate and move on in their lives. Because the greatest gift that I ever had as a teacher and a coach is now seeing and doing what I'm doing here with you today. Um, an, an old player, an old um, a student of mine, who reaches out to me and feels comfortable in doing so, in a situation like this, is the greatest reward that any educator can ever have. Um, you know, I was looking at Joel Feegan's um, Facebook page today with a with a huge smile on my face. He looked like <laughs> such a quirk in that damn mustache, you know. <laughs> so absolutely, but I mean things like that, you know, things like that. That's, that's you know, that's that's the, the best part, you know. And Lecrette, that's what the press beat me for so long i mean so many of these you know they're not kids anymore you're not kidding anymore but i mean right. when they were students now they're adults are married they have kids now with the you know with social media i am able to follow their lives in a sense and see them grow and and become moms and dads and, and raise their children and and then see them play sports across the wherever they may live mm-hmm. to me that's the that's the that's the finer parts of teaching you know um and coaching and then the other thing is you always have something in common with them because you always, you were together in the classroom or you were competing on the, you know, in the field of play. And, you know, you always take those things with you no matter what they're always, you're always going to have that in common with the, with those people. So uh, to me, that's the coolest part. That's by far the best part.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> that's a, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I appreciate that. Uh, I really do. Um, and that's,
1: I mean, I mean I can tell you right now a game when we played in Winona and we played at that little stinking field with that short fence and, and right field, yeah. And you were on third and and uh, Newsom was on second, and we were down by I think we were we were down by one or two, and we had an overthrow and Newsom scored from second and we won the game by one. It was hotter than hell it was hundred <laughs> degrees. We were catching. I remember that game. I mean, it was a, yeah. it was a Legion game, but you know that was that was great you know those are things you always
0: remember (laughs) absolutely absolutely
1: yeah
0: um yeah those are I mean those are fantastic memories and I think so like I don't know if you know teachers have this or coaches have this too but um you know I know when we're going through school obviously you know we see teachers and coaches as these grown-ups and you don't really you don't, maybe not, you don't necessarily just due to the relationship, you don't necessarily see them as like a full on human. And it's Mm kind of like how you see your parents when you're younger. And then when you you get older, you kind of start to see the full encompassing human being that that is, that they are. And I think that's the, that's the interesting part that, you know, Facebook, social media does for us is you see that fully rounded human being, um, outside of that normal relationship that you're used to. And, um, and I think that's to me that's important about having these interviews too, is just seeing someone in a different light and understanding that you know we're all we we're all all of our lives are as vivid and real to us as they are as their as other people's lives are to their to them. Yep. And I think yep. I love I love that aspect aspect of it.
1: Yep. Without um, a doubt, I think that oftentimes we we forget what you just said in I think there are times where it becomes somewhat easy to forget that, you know,
0: yeah.
1: um, just due to the nature of, of you know, the, the lives that we live and the lives that we lead. My gosh, I mean, in today's day and age, we're, we're constantly coming and going and we're on our phones and we're, mm. you know, interrupted so often. But to remember those things, you know, it, it is always the the human factor behind all of it. You know, it's the relationships that you've had and even if they were soured, there's opportunities to Bring those relationships back you know and to reconnect and things like that um, and that's one thing that in the process of recovery that's been probably most difficult for me is that reconnection you know yeah because I did solve some of those relationships and things and slowly but surely you begin to you know come back and and, and reconnect with those folks and and then you celebrate that yeah. you know um, and that that part of celebration, when it happens is so freaking awesome. I mean, you know, because it's like, all right, I can put all that other stuff aside for a bit and I can celebrate
0: the fact that, you know, there's my friend and we're friends again, you know? <laughs> yeah. And do you feel that those reconnections are are more real than they were before, before you lost the connection? Yeah. Cause you're, yeah, totally. you. Yep. Exactly. Um, so, so important,
1: you know, so, such a significant part of, of um, that uh, process of, of moving forward rather than looking back you know yeah. and and definitely I, I think that uh, some relationships are, are stronger now than they were even before like you say yeah um, and and they're different they're not the same as what they once were you know the things now that we recognize we have in common or may work towards uh, finding things that were in common now are totally different what
0: they were before I agree <clears throat> I agree we're, we're kind of doing a reverse interview here because I think we jumped into yeah. tactic like <laughs> we jumped into some stuff I was gonna get to later so uh, yeah. let's do a reverse interview um, yeah I didn't I didn't run over I'd uh, let you just kind of talk about yourself for a little bit and yeah uh, kind of where you're from um, what what are some things I think a few things I like to ask you know obviously a little biographical information about yourself where you're from uh mm-hmm. what are you up to now you kind of went yeah. over that with with midwest family broadcasting um yeah and then maybe talk a little bit about when you were younger before you know when you were younger what are served some things that you hoped to to do in life um and i guess you know i we know now that you ended up teaching and then now going to this mm-hmm. um but i guess tell me a little bit about yourself well, I, you know, to, to start with, I'm
1: originally from the Chicagoland area, um, was born in a suburb just outside Chicago, um, and we moved uh, to central Wisconsin, oh, I think it was my freshman year of high school, so oh. high school, at, yeah, a little small town, um, for, you know, I went to high school obviously four years there, graduated, and then came to La Crosse. Um, and went to school at UWL and um, graduated there um, with a teaching degree, um, double minor, double majored. Then I went back for my graduate degree and got my master's in um, and curriculum and instruction. So that's kind uh, of that journey um, that brought me to this area. Um, you know, when I think back on things that, uh, you know, early on, one of the things that I always wanted to be was a broadcaster of sports. I love sports. I love Chicago sports uh, specifically. Growing up, um, you know Walter Payton and Michael Jordan had huge influences on my life as professional athletes. Um, and then when I think back on where I grew up in the neighborhood, I grew up with in those early years, you know those early teen years and and before, it was a very competitive blue collar neighborhood. So most of what we did was we you know we played ball in the, on the street between the houses and we played tackle. And, you know, there was, it wasn't an easy life, you know, by any means. It was, uh, you know, both my parents uh, worked very hard and, and the neighbors, um, you know, their families were hardworking folks. And, you know, for the most part, the kids in the neighborhood, we, what we did was we played and we played sure. nonstop and all the time we competed and, and, and things like that. And that really drove, I think, where I eventually... When I got to high school, I was a pretty decent athlete. I loved sports. Um, I never really had any aspirations of playing, you know, beyond high school. But I, I did love competition, so that that drew me to coaching. Um, and I started coaching when I was a senior in high school. I coached baseball, and then it was I got that feel of what that was all about, and then I knew that that's, you know ultimately what I wanted to do. But since they don't pay coaches very well, you know, for I said, well, I suppose I better get into teaching. So, sure. When I went to high school, you know, really sports kept my grades up. Um, it surely wasn't from study habits uh, or anything like that. It was because I knew that uh, the only way I could play, uh, because my mom had strict rules, I had to have a B average or better. So, <laughs> I kept my grades good just so I could play. Um, and then uh, – you know, ultimately, once I got that taste, I, I knew that I, I wanted to go to school to be a teacher um, because I knew that that would give me the opportunity to, to coach. Um, always loved um, current events and social studies, you know, specifically uh, 20th century U.S. history. That, that was just a passion of mine. Still is. And um, so I went to school for that. And, and ultimately, you know, as a result, um, ended up getting my uh, teaching license and began that to that process but i think a lot of that really started um in, in you know and some of the questions you shared with me in preparation and me thinking about this man a lot of what i did when i was a kid from a competitive standpoint and a sports related standpoint brought me to where i eventually would land you know uh, with regards to my career <clears throat> nice so yeah uh, I got you, I got my butt kicked enough, Matt. That uh, you know that that was the other side. That toughens you up a little bit, when, you know. Fully on, bully on the street, kicks your, your rear end, and you know, <laughs> like, right, you know, when I got to grow up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, how do you feel about the Nick, Fole, uh, Nick Foles trade? I, you know <laughs> what? Just... I, I I'm
1: unsure. I'm unsure. He's got to be better than the current guy, so i mean you'd hope so
0: <laughs> yeah i would hope so yeah i would hope so yeah so what do you have um what are some things do you have anything uh kind of coming up that you'd like to talk about uh maybe for the group or or in your personal life um you know coming up i i it, it's it,
1: again it's funny the these quite it's funny we're doing this interview right now because after you get off vacation there's so many of those things that you think about on vacation that are right know the, the good things you know it's it's like it's nice to reflect on you know the year go by and uh, gone by and and what you know what are things to look forward to you know one of the things that uh, that's coming up is my son's getting his driver's license here in about a month
0: okay uh
1: so you know that that's a that's a big thing getting him all set and ready to uh to find uh, uh freedom <laughs> you know in, in a set of wheels so um but then my, my daughter's going to be a teenager, so um, okay. she'll be 13, so. so those two things right there, you know, I think um, um, spell some, uh, either some challenges, yet, got some excitement uh, of yet to come, so my wife, Lori, and I are are preparing ourselves for that, um, and really that next stage of life, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, I seem to remember when I was 16, that as soon as I turned 16, it felt like I was in college, double college, onto my you know, onto my career. So right. it goes by so fast. So it's a reminder that really I've only got two solid good years left with that boy before, <laughs> you know, he's on to, he's on to bigger and better things, you know, right. is, without mom and dad. So my thing, in, I guess you could say in the, I guess in some ways the short term is to spend as much time with, with him and, and my daughter and my wife as
0: possible because man, life goes by so dang fast, yeah. you know? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And how much of a motivator is that to, to your, your recovery, being present?
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's the most important thing there is. I mean, I, when I think back
0: to, you know, just to use an example, when I think back
1: of, I was in Rochester, actually, um, when I was in recovery for a month. And when I was there, that was, you know, I'd lay in that bed, of course, with no TV or nothing, you're just laying there. And I just remember sitting there thinking about, God, this is awful. I don't get to see them. You know, I'm not part of their life, and it felt like it was—it was just years, but it was really, you know, four weeks. um sure. so By far, it's—it's it's a huge motivator um, to remain sober. Thank God, and, and and God bless. You know, my situation has, has been much easier, I think, than a lot of people, and that's why I have tried to work with as many people as I can to help them. Um, but I think the, the number one motivator is my wife and my kids. You know. Um, because that's a relationship that I had to take care of first before anything else, you know? So yeah, that's been a, been a huge factor. I have not, you know, touched or up alcohol since that, that, you know, the day that things went to hell and, and, um, have no intentions of doing so, have no desire, have no cravings to do so, which is awesome because every day I wake up and I feel good and I got a new lease on life and, and I see my beautiful kids my beautiful wife and my wonderful friends and those are all factors that just absolutely drive me day to day you know um I don't worry about something that happens at work when I used to teach I used to get pretty upset about things pretty easily you know and that would oftentimes kind of take me you know get me off the rails and when I went off the rails then alcohol seemed to always be the the thing that was there to cure that kind of thing and now if things go off the rails, it's, you know, my attitude is hanging loose, man. It's like, it's all right. It's okay for that to happen. Everything's going to be fine. Just deal with it accordingly and and use some of those strategies that I was taught in recovery to, uh, you know, to deal with that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so my kids are, are huge, a huge, huge factor in all that.
0: Yeah. And the fact that now you're, yeah, you're present for them, uh, them and your wife and you're living. You're- yeah. To be living yep exactly also exactly a man living, living life to the fullest <laughs> right right um all right well is there any any last few things that you'd like to like everybody to know um
1: no you know it's it's like um you know when you when you asked when you reached out at first i i you know i the one response i gave you i said it was it's time you know and there's been conversations i've had with folks you know friends and family and whatnot. And you know, there's some people who say to me, gosh, you know, I can't believe how good you're doing and I can't believe that, you know, that you, you were able to overcome the way that you have and things like that. And it just reminds me of the fact that if I can do what others can do too. You know, it's it's a power of like you said, being present and, and having control over what your mind does. Because it's so involved, obviously, what happens in, in this in this mind of ours. Um, you know, so impossible is nothing. You know, impossible is nothing. Of course, Muhammad Ali uh, said that many, many years ago,
0: and it is my mantra. I, I truly believe that. That's, yeah, I believe that too. Well, I, yeah, yeah. Um, I really appreciate having you on. Um, I'm going to absolutely plug Tactical Recovery every chance I get, every time I see it. So, awesome. I think that's, it's so important for um, everybody to have a place where they feel a little more welcome, um, where they have people that they can, they can relate to. Um, As they go through their recovery process and I, uh, but I'm very proud of everything I've, I've, I've heard and and I'm, I thank you very much for being on here and and being willing to share, share your story with me.
1: Yeah, well, Matt, I appreciate it, but I, I really appreciate you reaching out and give me an opportunity to share. Absolutely.
0: Well, I think that's, I haven't really uh, worked out of closing for this, for this part. Uh, pretty much to sign off and uh, yep. I'll get some audio taken care of and and I'll be able to post this over the next couple of days. But Gene, uh, it was a pleasure catching up to you. Please don't be a stranger. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it, but Absolutely. Thank All you. Right. Yep. Bye-bye. Yeah. Might as well record it on here, right? So um, thank you for watching. That was my interview with gene francis Uh, he is is share he's been sharing and promoting and helping with a tactical recovery group Um, that group meets at the uh well they have various meetings cooley council for addictions this is i should probably have pulled that up and and looked before but um i'll share their i'll share a link to their group to their facebook page on this video Um, if you are a veteran uh and you're looking for a place or looking for a place where you can connect with some people um that have have lived through similar experiences you and you'd like to just kind of talk about those experiences in a safe place uh they by all means they would be happy to have you um i want to thank gene thank you very much for being a part of this show and thank you all for watching have a great night